You're listening to the Charity Champions Podcast. Each year, TFNB Your Bank for Life chooses six nonprofits from around Central Texas to recognize as Charity Champions. Tonight's Charity Champion is... Champions enjoy live on-field presentations at Baylor University home football and basketball games, online broadcast and print marketing exposure, and world-class leadership development through 360 Solutions, all at no cost to the nonprofit. Welcome to a special edition of the Charity Champions podcast. We usually bring you interviews with nonprofit leaders and those they've helped, but today we're trying something a little different. We're bringing you the audio version of a leadership development session hosted by Chip Wilson, founder and CEO of 360 Solutions. We usually host these sessions for our Charity Champions in person at Ridgewood Country Club here in Waco, Texas, but because of COVID-19 and social distancing, we've invited everyone on a Zoom call. Today's subject title is The Seven Areas of Transformation. And now, here's Chip. We are being responsible like everyone is supposed to be doing right now, and so we are social distancing. So I am coming to you from my living room, so here in Waco. Today's subject title is on the seven areas of transformation. And so I want to start by briefly talking about, obviously, we are in the middle of of a lot of change. Everybody knows this. You watch the news, we go everywhere from the sky is falling, that this is a serious thing to we'll be back to work, you know, within a couple of weeks. And the truth is no one knows. We do not know what's going to happen. I will say, though, that there is one common denominator that all of us know, and that's globally, is that, A, we've never seen anything like this. This is something new and unique. And the second is it has affected all of us in some way, our organizations, us personally, A lot of people are losing their jobs over this. A lot of people are nervous and scared for loved ones. The social distancing and staying and working at home has caused, and and we've seen evidence of this, it's caused a lot of good things and bad things. We've seen people that have uh, come closer together as a family, but we've also seen domestic violence increase. We've seen child abuse increase. We've seen the level of stress and insecurity and different things cause some problems at the same time. So this balancing act and trying to figure this out together and the stress of not knowing when it will end has impacted all of us at some level. The level of empathy that we need to have for each other and the level of concern is real. In some, it's very strong, some a little bit less, but it's, you know, we're all in this together. You've heard that slogan over and over again. It's true. We are all in this together and our love and compassion and caring for each other should increase during this time and help those that are impacted even stronger because of this, whether losing their job or being laid off, furloughed. There's people that literally don't have food to eat and shelter, and we need to take care of those people now more than ever. It's always been a need, but it's, it's a growing concern. So today, what we were going to do if we were to, together face-to-face is talk about the seven critical areas or transformation of an organization And ironically, today, it's more applicable than ever. I think we need to step back and understand that the paradigm in which we're seeing our current state, our current organizations and families and globally, the whole pandemic, affects the way we see what our organization looks like moving forward. And for some that I work with, they are literally in stall mode, meaning they don't know what to expect. They don't know what's coming next. And so they're doing very little. They're hunkering down. Their people are working remote. Or if they're in a service area, which I know some of you are, which is, you know, required, you're essential, uh, you're still going to work, but you have the stress of 
people coming and going and coworkers and everything else. And so it is a, it's very ambiguous in, to, in terms of what's next. Where do we go? Uh, I have one client that we were supposed to be starting right now, creating a whole new branding process and, and clarifying their strategy moving forward. And this happened and everything comes to a screeching halt. And so some of you might be in that exact, exact same situation. You might be saying, I don't know how this is going to affect my organization. You know, to think about the future is tough when I don't even know what the future is going to look like coming out of this. Some people will say that, you know, this will change everything, that our world will never be the same. Well, there's a couple of different ways to look at it. I, I personally believe that there are universal principles, there's universal truths, foundational things that will never change. And so maybe some of the systems that we use and processes and structure and different things that we're going to talk about today may be modified because of this, but the universal truths of the way people communicate with each other in terms of building trust, the products and services, the needs, the problems in the world that need to be fixed, this pandemic is not going to change those things. Foundational businesses, and I believe this more than ever, that if you have a good, solid foundational business or organization that's founded on strong principles, you understand cash flow management, you understand hiring the right people and holding on to them, you understand the clarity of your message and your branding and your strategy, you clarify some of these things, that you will survive through this. That I, I have no doubt in my mind that that will happen. The organizations that will be really affected by this, and we may not see them come back, is coming from those organizations that foundationally maybe had some things to improve on anyway. Maybe they were in a situation where with or without this, they might not have made it. And I do think we're going to see some of those organizations not come back from this. And it's sad. I, I wish it was different. But for those that are strong in foundations of what they're doing, I think you're going to be okay. I really do. And I, I think that opportunities to be able to take some time and clarify what we've been doing by changing what we're looking at might improve your organization tenfold on the backside of what this looks like. So let's start with the seven areas of transformation. Assessing your organization for high performance. Now, when we, when we say assess, we have to look at what is assessment? Well, the definition of assessment is, is systematic analysis of key organizational elements to determine their effectiveness and how they fit together as a whole to achieve the desired result. Assessment is done to determine current organizational status and performance. And once you know where you are and how you're going to do things as an organization, deciding on how to improve becomes much easier. I'm going to start by talking about what we call an open system. And what an open system is, if you were to think today, my organization is going to change from this point forward. I know it'll look different. Uh, I just read the Gallup poll this morning came out with a, one of their latest polls, and they found that close to 61% of people that are working at home right now, if given the option when things go back to normal, whether they want to work at home or go back to the office, 61% say they are more effective and better at home than they are in an office. Now that's interesting. My organization's never worked remote. We've always had an office to go to in the last two, three weeks has been a experiment for us. And it's actually changed the way we do things, but it's also has some higher levels of activity. We're seeing more stuff getting done and we also see some downside to it as well. So it's a balancing act. But what an open system is, each element of the system has an effect on the whole. And so the various parts 
of the system are interdependent. So the sum of the parts is greater than the whole. If you look at an open system, you have your inputs. This is energy, raw materials, information, so on and so forth. And then you have steps, one, two, three, four, or how many steps. And then you have your output. And then there's what's called a feedback loop. We're constantly looking at what's happening coming into the organization that's new, different, changing. What steps are we taking to produce an output? And then we look at feedback. Did that work? Did that not work? Should we improve this? Should we not improve this? This is the way the transformation model works. And for some of you, if you've been in past sessions of mine, you've seen this. This is a framework in which organizations look. Now, you'll see you have environment. Then on the other side, you have results. And then you have five bubbles in the middle, five circles in the middle. Environment and results are things that either influence you or you influence. You do not have direct control over these things. What you do have direct control over are the five things in the middle. Number one is your strategy. And there's two components to strategy. You have your organizational strategy. That is, what do we do to pay our bills and to you know, fix problems in the world? And what customers do we serve? And, and how are we evolving kind of the, the strategy? And then you have the organizational strategy. That is your mission, your vision, your values, your, your core metrics of how you treat each other and, and whether you work out of your home or whether you work in an office, those types of things. Then you have your core process. And I'm not gonna go through each of these individually. I'm gonna spend most of my time today on talking about systems, and I'll explain why in a minute. But the strategy, your core process, the structure of your organization, the systems that you use, and the culture, these are all things that you, as an organization, have control over. You can tweak and change and modify, which will influence your results. Your results then, and you'll see the arrow that comes from results, it goes back to environment. If our results are working, we tend to see the environment in a good way. If our results are poor, we tend at, at times to look at the environment as a bad thing. So when the economy's really good and things are clicking right along, our results are good, we think the environment's good. When things like this happen and the environment changes and our results change, we see a direct correlation between the two and sometimes we don't take the time as, as leaders of organizations to look at these five circles in the middle. What are we doing to make these things better? I will say, and I, I truly believe this, that right now leaders of organizations will be graded much more on how they deal in a moment of crisis versus how they deal with things when things are wonderful. So you as a leader of any organization right now, if you're listening to this, you're being graded. People are watching you to see, how am I handling this? When your stress goes up, do you translate that stress to your people? I have one client I was talking to a couple days ago and their immediate leader has decided to withdraw and withhold information, which is the exact opposite thing that you should do if you're in a leadership role right now. You should be sharing, oversharing almost to some extent, more and more things uh, with your organization because information helps create a little bit of a calm, a little bit of a relaxation, so people understand kind of where things are at and what's going on. So when we look at the environment and we see it through a paradigm of, okay, things are changing, I don't know what's gonna happen, and we look at our strategy, our core process, structure, systems, and, and culture, that's gonna influence our results three months, six months, 12 months down the road. And by the way, going back to that, when you know I had someone ask just the other day, how's this going to affect my strategy moving forward? You know, I just put something new in place and this has disrupted a lot of it. With us, we've been launching 360 groups, you know, which is bringing people together on a monthly basis. The environment changes, totally disrupts our strategy. 
And so we have to look at it. And I tell everybody, you have to, right now, when you're in this situation, you have to break it into segments. So you have the next three months. What is my strategy for cash, for people, for furloughing, laying people off, bringing them back, whatever it might be? What is my strategy for the next three months? Then what does my strategy look like with assumptions that we get back to normal for six months? And then what is my strategy for a year? To look three years, five years, 10, down, 10 years down the road, obviously, this has given us a wake-up call that setting a 10-year strategy might not work the way it used to when things weren't uh, it, at least seemed to be as chaotic as they are right now. So in these seven elements, the first we talked about is the results. And we look at things as key result areas, is what we call them, KRAs. And so they indicate the level of your performance, uh, the organization's performance. And, and again, I'm not going to read all these for you. You can read. So the next is environment. And you'll see that I have results and I have environment on the same page because these are things we cannot influence. I mean, they influence us. We don't necessarily have control over them. We only influence them. Under organizations, under the environment side, we believe that organizations are living and breathing uh, systems and organizations can survive only to the extent that they maintain harmony with their external environment. And right now we see that. You know, you can say, I'm going to ignore what's going on and keep business as usual, but the environment does not care about your opinion. It is what it is. It's gonna run its course the way it runs its course. We're gonna do our part to try and curtail it. We're gonna do our part to try and make it through this, but this pandemic right now doesn't care about our opinion. It is doing what it's going to do regardless. And so we have to react to it as an organization, as individuals, as leaders. Then we have our strategy. I've talked a little bit about the two parts to strategy. And then we have our core processes. This is a process in which the major flow of work passes through our organization. It's sometimes called the value chain. Uh, we call it the cycle of service. There's a whole different bunch of terms that you can use for it, but basically it's, you know, how do we provide value and how does work flow through our organization? Then we have structure. This is right now with structure, it's interesting. When you don't have everybody in the same location, if you're sending people home, they're working remotely, structure becomes difficult. You know, I don't have my leader, my manager, my coworkers right there to ask questions off of. I'm isolated. I'm by myself. I've got, I've got my dogs running around, kids, spouse. You know, it's hard sometimes. I get distracted with all the other things that I could be doing. And so, the, you know, the, the model has changed. And how does that affect us as an organization? Systems, which is where I'm going to spend the majority of my time on, is systems are standardized support processes which help organizations organize itself, basically. And there's two types of systems. There's the coordination system and development system. So a coordination system, which is what I'm going to talk about, is uh, how we manage the open flow system. And then there's development system, which is how we hire and promote and train and develop people inside of the organization. We'll spend more time on the other one here in a second. And then the next is culture. I'm going to go back to what I said just a minute ago, that leaders right now are being graded a lot more than they realize on how they're dealing with what's going on. Because again, leadership is, is really tested when things are bad and people look to leaders to feel comfort, to, for direction, for strategy, for you know, their own personal, what can I expect personally for my family and leaders have a obligation in my opinion to spend time with their people, talking to them, sharing with them, letting them know, even if you don't know, letting them know that you don't know and that you're in it with them. And as more information comes, you will share 
what your thoughts are and where you think you're headed is more critical now than ever. In this, we kind of break down some of the areas under strategy and results and environment. And if you look at systems here, you'll see that we have two different sides. We have the development side and the coordination side. Under coordination, you're looking at things like communication and decision-making, management and feedback. How do we set goals during a time like this? How do we produce and make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to when, when we're kind of isolated or are the people that we serve maybe are isolated or, or they, their needs have shifted and changed? So one of the things is this is what we call our core mapping worksheet. An example of how you would use this, and we have big fold-out ones that you can actually write on and use. So you would write the name of your team up here, and then you have your key inputs. You see on the other side your key outputs, key suppliers, key customers, and at the bottom we have key support groups. I could identify what those are for you and help you understand. But the mapping process in the middle is a really simplistic but easy to understand. It will make a significant difference in your organization if you do these things. So you'll see here that there's eight steps. A really simple example is if you're in a business where you have walk-in customers, walk-in clients, you might map what is the cycle that we take a brand new customer, brand new client that comes to our organization. What are the steps that we take them to get them onboarded into our organization? We'll use one that all of us understand and know, going out to eat at a restaurant. So let's say that we are gonna use this for a hostess. So someone pulls into the parking lot, their family gets out of the car, they walk up to the front door, they walk up to the hostess stand. Under step one, we would say, greet the customer, and under the tasks, we would list out what tasks come with that. Then if we move to step two, tell them we have a 20 minute wait, we'll hand them a, a pager or get their phone number so we can text them, or tell them to wait here in the waiting room, we'll call your name out. However it's done, we talk about the tasks from there. That's step two. Then we move to step three. When a table's available, do we pick up menus and silverware? We call out their name and we walk them to the table. Step four would be we come back to the hostess stand. We show that that table's been taken, who we assigned it to, you know, what stations it's in. Step five might be to look at the list, move people up, whatever it might be. So you, you understand that you just take it and break it down step by step by step with tasks underneath each and every one of these. Now this might seem very simplistic, but I would challenge everybody that's on the Zoom call right now to ask yourself, have you mapped every single role, every single process in your organization right now? The answer is probably no. You may have an idea, people might understand what their roles and responsibilities are, but it's never really been mapped out. Now you'll see that there's eight steps here. The reason why we only start with eight is because I believe, in, and it's, there's enough research behind this to know, that anything past eight steps is probably too complicated. Remember, there's tasks underneath each step, but if you get past eight steps in a mapping process, you really move to, okay, why is this so complicated? Is there a way to simplify what we're doing and clarifying? Now, one of the other value propositions of doing this core mapping for your organization is also to onboard new employees. Like if I'm going to hire a new hostess, they're gonna come to be able to take out a detailed map, lay it down and say, these are the eight steps as a hostess. These are the tasks underneath each and every one of them. It makes the onboarding process much simpler, much easier, 
It also helps you as a leader identify where am I doing things right, where am I doing things wrong, and how do we simplify? Now, the mapping process, as you all know, is uh, very simplistic, and a lot of people think, wow, this is a great tool. We ought to do that. I have worked with a lot of organizations. People get excited about the mapping process. They say, yes, we want to do this for everything. They'll get copies of the mapping process. They pass it out to all their leaders and say, you need to map every single one of these, you know, your department, every role inside of it. And then what happens, what ensues is people get excited about it until they get into it. And then there starts to be questions about well, wait a minute, that's not really how we do the mapping process. If you get two, three, four people in there, they go, wait a minute, that's not what I do. Well, I do it this way, or I do it that way, or why do you do that, or what form are you using, or why did you use that form? And so what you would think would be a very simple process to just lay out these are the steps and these are the tasks assigned to each of those steps, it really creates more confusion at times than clarity. Be prepared for that. Be prepared. And it's interesting, right now more than ever, some of you, not all, but some of you have the ability to take the time needed to do that right now. You can't really be planning for the future because we don't know what the future looks like. The environment is not playing well with us. We hoped this would have been over by now and we could have all spent Easter together at church, but I don't think that's going to happen. So the environment is influencing our strategy, our core process, structure systems, the culture of our organization, which is going to influence our results the way things end up, and our results then feed back to the way we see the environment. Some of you have seen donations go up. Some of you maybe have seen donations stay steady or even decline. Some of you have seen a massive increase in the need in our community because of what's happening. And so you're probably being inundated with people asking for help, but yet you have to think about how do I take care of my people? How do I take care of my staff? How do I make sure that we're not putting anybody in harm's way? How do we protect everyone, including ourselves. And then we have kids that are home that are not going back to school. No matter what you think, they're not. You have them and you're going to have them till probably fall. And then what does that look like? And then all of the kids and some of you probably have kids in school that are missing proms and you know their field trips at the end of the year and their friends and the yearbooks that they would sign and all of that. And how do we deal with the the emotional side of things not going the way that they're supposed to. It all ties into this living organization and you're a part of it. If you lead an organization, you're a part of the DNA of that organization. And what does it look like? Some of you are probably being faced with, can I keep my people or not keep my people? Y'all know I work with TFNB and sit on the board there. And so I've had more questions on the PPP program, the, the pay payroll replacement program than what SBA is doing for for-profits and non-profits and trying to push out as much information as possible about that. And so if you have any questions, you know, TFNB, your bank for life has an SBA department that was set up well before, you know, a lot of banks don't do SBA. Well, TFNB has been doing SBA for a long time. We have a full dedicated team there uh, that's been doing it. And we're an approved lender through the SBA and have been a premier lender. And so if you have questions, there's people there that will help. I'll be willing to help. We might even have some questions on here today once we open up to open forum, and I'll be happy to answer if I can. So under the system side, under this cultural side, I think it's really critical right now more than ever that you look at is the system in which we are running effective and has this pandemic created transparency in the areas that we're falling short? Are there systems that we can improve? This is showing how weak we are in certain areas. Or are you creating systems right now 
because we're working remotely or, or you're having to social distance or you can't you know, service the way you used to your, your clients, are these systems better? Should they be implemented and, and stay in place? I can tell you from 360 standpoint, there has been technology that we've always kind of paid for and had and bits and people have used it that now collectively we're all using it. Zoom is one of those things. Obviously, some of you didn't even know what Zoom was before the pandemic hit. And so you're learning how do we use some of these, these tools to, to improve. We switched to a different CRM that we're communicating through. We have a project management cloud-based product called ClickUp that we're using now that everybody's involved. We're having more communication now than we had when we were together because it's on purpose. We're meeting at eight o'clock every morning virtually. We're meeting at four o'clock every afternoon virtually. We're using Slack all day long to communicate between each other and with our clients. And so the use of this technology is all part of the system. Now, some are having a hard time adapting to using technology to communicate. I'm, I'm on the backside of my career. I hate to admit it, but I am. And so I'm kind of a slower person to adopt to new stuff where maybe the younger people in organizations are quicker to adopt. Right now, I think we're all being forced to look at things differently and to adopt new things and to look at them and see, was there waste in our systems? Was there waste in our culture? Was there waste that we were, that we had accumulated over a period of time because of, we've just always done it that way. And has this created any real uh, blind spots in the organization that now you can kind of tighten up and make better through the systematic approach? I've been on enough Zoom calls that I know that to listen to a talking head the whole time is somewhat boring. And so in our live formats, it's a lot more energy and breakfast, or we didn't provide breakfast today. Sorry about that. What I want to do now is, and I haven't been paying attention, if there are any questions that are up here, or if you have your camera on, you can wave your hand and we can see you. If you have a question, we can unmute you and you can ask that question or make a comment for the group. And I'm not sure how the, the rest of the group will hear it because we haven't done this yet, but we can give it a shot. So is there any questions on there that anybody would like to ask? Oh, we see a charity champion shirt. I like that. Charlie, I'll ask a question to the group and then you can either unmute or you can type in there. This is our sixth year of Charity Champions, and so we have, I have passed out the mapping process before. I know some of you have used it to some extent. Has anybody used it? And if you have, what experience have you had with it? Has it helped? This is Kelly Atkinson. Hi, I'm sorry, I, I just popped in. So I didn't get to hear the bulk of the what you'd shared earlier, but when you talk about the mapping process, that has actually been one of the things that we've been doing the most with our time that we have available now during COVID. And we were doing it before because we've had a lot of changes in staff, but mapping out all of our core processes has become something we talk about weekly. And for us, it helps us to solidify you know, our business processes, regardless of who's in that seat, um, but will help us to, to grow and, and become more consistent and better at what we do. We will find now more than ever that systems moving forward may change due to this, good and bad. We may have systems that have been in place for a long time or core processes that have been in place for a long time that need to change because of this. Bobby asked, what is Slack and Trello? So Slack is a free app. You can download it and it's a communication app. We've used it for quite some time in our organization. Our marketing clients, we have each of them set up Slack so we can communicate with them. Now, some might say, well, how's it different from email or, 
or texting? Well, one is you set up multiple channels and people can be assigned to different channels. So, you know, instead of a group text where everybody sees everything, this could be set up where you have multiple people that are maybe you're in marketing, maybe you're in fundraising, maybe you're in operations, maybe you're in IT, and they only get information if they're on that channel. You can upload videos, you can upload PDFs, and, and it stores and saves all of them in there so that people can see them. And because it's free, it's a great tool. Now they do have a paid one. Once you get to so much storage, you know, you can pay a little bit, but it's a, it's an incredibly easy to use and helpful app. And we've used it for quite some time. It has a desktop version and the phone version. And so you get notified on all of them. You can put it to silence if you don't want to get messages or you can set it up from, you know, 5 p.m. to 8 a.m. It won't give you messages and then kicks on just during the day. So it's a great tool. You should look it up. The other one, Trilio, I don't use, so I can't speak to it. I believe it's similar to what we're using, which is called ClickUp. Uh, we used to use Asana. There's some other ones out there. It's project management. So ClickUp, we have found, is a really great tool. Everybody can put their tasks in there, things that they're working on. It can measure how much time it takes to do everything. You can assign things to other people. Uh, keeps track of them when they close it out or if it's in process, it shows due dates with flags on it, all kinds of cool stuff. So as a leader, you know, instead of being in the office and walking around and saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What's, what's priority? What's not priority? This allows us, especially because we're remote right now, it allows us to be able to see what everybody's working on, what they've completed, what they have in process, when it's due, how much time they've spent on it, who all's looking at it. It's a really, it's a really cool product. If we don't have questions, I would like, if we can, to either type in there if you don't have your camera on or if you do have your camera on, just wave. Share your experience of what's going on with your organization right now. You know, how has this affected your organization, good or bad? And I guess the other question is, how is this going to affect your organization moving forward based on what you have right now if you have to make some decisions? Okay, Paul. I think we, with the RET Revolution, we've, we've recognized kind of an outpouring of community support in that with what we do, and I'm sure a lot of the other charities will, will echo this, that, you know, our, our work really hasn't stopped, even with the, uh, the COVID uh, situation, because we're doing some food pantry stuff. We're doing some uh, things where we deliver food to people. We make uh, some supplies and food available to school children that that usually get it during the school year with still kind of being in the public eye a little bit and being able to function, whereas maybe the, your normal individual citizens are, are, you know, shelter in place, which is the right thing to do. I believe we've been able to get some community support and we've seen some donations kind of flood in that we did not expect because we're still functioning. That's been kind of a surprise and a, a, a welcome addition to what we're doing. That's awesome. That's great. I know that a couple of other organizations I work with have had donations increase, just random people that haven't donated in the past are starting to, which is a blessing for sure. Inez, I saw, did you raise your hand? We've been affected in several ways. Uh, we have a guardianship program where we have clients in about 50 counties, and the, the statutes require that we visit them once a month, and many of them are in nursing homes, so... Obviously, that's not a possibility, so we've had to work with the state to come up with a, an alternative way to find out how they're doing and have worked all that out, but 
would like to ask for prayer in uh, two nursing homes, uh, one in San Antonio and one in Texas City. We have five clients that have tested positive for the coronavirus. And our guardianship staff is all working from home, and um, that's working well. We uh, had to close down one of our programs uh, temporarily because all of that work is done in nursing homes, but we've been able to ramp up what we do to help our seniors who are trying to live independently, our, our homebound people, and uh, also try to partner with other agencies that work with homebound seniors and adults with disabilities to make sure that they get the food and the uh, supplies that they need. We operate in an adult daycare center, and prior to this, our attendance was 95, 96 people a day, and we are at about 16 people right now. So big part of our emphasis right now is, is calling and checking on all of our clients that are isolated to make sure that they're doing okay. Our money management and guardianship of estate work can't be done from home very effectively. So that staff is here in the building and uh, as well as our adult daycare staff. So it's different and we're adapting. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. James. Yes. You know, we kind of, we're kind of close to the public, but we're doing um, mission essentials is where we, we're trying to help those uh, first responders, nurses and everybody that have kids that want to use our services. But, you know, our regular kids are not here. And, uh, and we have a couple of kids that of those first responders responded to us. And we're not letting them run around and have fun. So we're doing the virtual classrooms. You know, they got their work from school. So and then we're having eight to a room and, um, and they all sitting at tables by themselves, you know, doing their work. We're watching movies and we do let them have PE and we keep the, you know, the six feet apart. So we're doing that. And, um, and every Every 30 minutes, you know, they have to, you know, wash their hands and everything. We also have a, have, you know, have, have a food program during school and also during the summer. So what we did, we did partner with, um, with WISD. You know, they serve at a couple of their sites. They serve, um, you know, breakfast and lunch. So we're doing the dinner and HEB kind of helped in with this. They bringing things by the club to us and, and our site in North Waco, our main branch, that's the only branch that we have open. So from three to five, we are letting, you know, even kids in neighborhood or our regular kids who, who normally get the meal every evening, you know, they can drive by and we have a prepackaged meal for them and, and we fill up bags every day and give them food. You know, that's our food program because, and that was part of our income too, because during the year when we serve it, you know, we turn those those monies in and get reimbursed and everything. So that's a little cash that's still coming in for us there. You know, the membership, you know, that we have for the kids, that's, you know, the virtual, that's in the virtual classrooms in which, you know, we, we normally charge $15 a week, but we have to boost up, you know, $50 a week. And our, our national office and, and we partnered with Central Texas Boys Girls Club out of Colleen. They did a, apply for the grant so we can help our, you know, our employees, you know, to get reimbursed and everything. So, you know, it is affecting us, but, you know, we've been around a long time. So we hopefully that we can get through this when it's, when it's all said and done and, and we can get back to, you know, some normalcy. But, but uh, right now, we're being careful as the next person because, and so far, you know, knocking on wood that nobody in our organization have, have contact with the buyers and stuff. And, and we don't let the parents, you know, once they bring them and we have them to stay in the car and we come out to them and, and we have a thermometer and we check the temperature of the kids. And, you know, if they're up to 99 to 100, we won't let them in that day. 
but if their temperature is good, then we let them come on in. So, so we're trying to do as much as we can to be safe. So pray for us. I'm praying for each and everybody here in Waco. So for all around, it's, you know, it's a big change. It's a big difference, but we're trying to be safe as possible too. So Inez? That I'm really proud of our community. We've had so many people contact us wanting to help. We've had people who have donated masks and gloves and sanitizer and you know, lots of lots of ways that people are trying to make sure that folks get the help that they need during this time. And it really makes you proud of, of your community and all the organizations and the individuals that step forward at, in times like this. I've seen the exact same thing. A lot of people stepping up, a lot of people helping. Charlie? I just wanted to thank you and your staff for finding a way to still let us hear the information we need, because at this time, it's pretty critical to all of us. I know my store is closed at the moment, but it's given me things that I can look at to plan, as you say, and map out so that once I can return to my store, it'll make me a better employee for Friends for Life. It'll make me a better representative you know, in answer to prayer as God's messenger, and it'll help me serve the people that come to my store more. So I wanted to thank you and your staff for being here this morning. Absolutely. Thank you. I've never really provided training through Zoom before, information through Zoom other than meetings. And so this is fairly new. And I'll be honest, it's not my preferred preference. I'd rather us all be together and see the interaction and be able to have people ask questions and stuff. But, uh, in light of what we're doing, this is, we're trying to make it as, as good as we possibly can. But one thing I'll give you, and I, I already have a framework of what I'm gonna talk about on Thursday, but I'll give you one thing that I'm encourage everybody to do regardless. Everybody on this call right now should probably do this. It's a really simple exercise. You take a sheet of paper and you have three categories. There is a must category, a should category, and a may category. Must, should, and may. Under the must category, these are the things that must be accomplished for you to serve the people that you serve and stay in business. This is the must category. The next is the should category. These are the things that I should be doing as soon as the must things are completed. The may category are these are the things that I may get to assuming the must and shoulds are accomplished. So if you're trying to manage a remote staff and you're a leader, you need to help focus your people on what they should be doing. These are the things they must accomplish every day. These are the things that they should be able to accomplish and work on. And these are the things that they may do if the must and the shoulds are done. When you look at that in terms of fundraising, part of the transparency is is building trust with your audience. And if you're not used to putting videos out or Zoom calling or a lot of this stuff, you're used to face-to-face, -face, you have to shift, you know, the environment has changed, so your fundraising has to change. And the paradigm is, how do I, how do I continue to ask for what we need to provide the services? You need to look at the must category. These are the things that must happen for us to make it through the next three months, six months. And your messaging needs to be about must. These, this must happen. These are the things that we should be doing if things were at normal. And these are the things that are future. We may do if we, if we make it through this. But these are, the, these are the musts. This must happen. 
And I would encourage all of you, whether you use that with your team, whether you use it with in your marketing or whatever it might be, we'll talk about that more in detail of what it looks like, but it's a, it's a really simple framework. And so James, I'll talk to you directly on this one. If you know that your fundraiser was a big deal and now it's been pushed to the fall and you're in jeopardy financially of having to lay people off and do some of these different things under that must category, there are things like the PPP program through through the SBA program. It can pay salaries, benefits, you know, rent, utilities, some other stuff for eight weeks. And that might be on the must list. We must do this if we're gonna retain staff. Otherwise we have to furlough or lay people off. We must do it. We must look at raising more capital somehow, whether we borrow it, if we can, and then wait for our fundraising program this fall and pay the loan back to make it during this period of time, somewhat of a bridge loan. A lot of times nonprofits think solely in terms of money in, money out. Well, in times like this, sometimes you may need to borrow money. And there are people that would donate money that maybe this, at this time, your ask is not for a donation, but maybe for help getting through this period of time, whatever that help looks like. There's different options that are available there. The one thing I will tell you, and I'll do a session for all of you on the marketing side of it, but I will tell you that right now, there is absolutely nothing wrong with sharing a message that this is what must happen to be able to continue to do the things that we do, the work that we do. And that message is not ill-advised if it is messaged the correct way. This is not the time to be opportunistic, but it is the time to clearly articulate the value proposition that you provide and the needs that you have. And if people value what you do, they will continue to invest in what you offer. I will say, you know, on the marketing side, and I'll come back to, I won't spend too much time on it, but video has become more important now than before. Not on the news, man, I'm, I'm a news overload. I, I can see my mood swing go up and down based on whether I've watched the news or not. I know we need to be informed, but I'm telling you, it's, it can really poison you if you get too much of it. Messaging right now from y'all to people that don't know what's going on should be positive, 100% positive. Not unrealistic, but positive in nature because people are starving for that right now. They need to see something good, what it's gonna look like after all of this. And in your messaging, it should be about that. It says, what advice can you give us for those that have to work from home to keep us motivated and not negligent? Yeah, so on the work from home thing, I would encourage you for a couple, communication is really important. So I saw something the other day that I thought was really cool. One of the things that people like about going to work is they have friends at work. They either, everybody there's your buddy and friend, or maybe you at least have one or two people. There's camaraderie there, it breaks up the day. And you've probably seen this on TV. You should go outside, get that vitamin D, go for a walk, exercise, that kind of stuff. But one of the things that another organization is doing, and so we've, we haven't fully implemented it yet because we're a small team, but I'd like to, is every single day they do some type of Zoom call meeting. We do it twice a day with our team. And one person's in charge of sharing parts of their life during the call. So for example, everybody that's on this call right now, if you can see me, you at least get a little glimpse of my living room. So you, you at least know what my living room looks like. Well, on these other calls, what they're doing is they're saying, okay, Jonathan, you're next, Carlos, you're next, you know, whoever. And so we have our meeting staff, you know, talk about the important stuff, but then we turn it over We say, okay, well, do you show us where you live? Show us your pets, show us your kids, show us. 
I mean, some of y'all, I don't know if you watch late night shows, you know, they're all doing them from home now and you're getting to see different parts of their life and they're having their kids involved and their pets and other stuff. And that creates a little bit, at least of that human bond and that somewhat normalcy, if that's a word. We're being tricked right now. Our brains are seeing each other, but we're still not having community. And so we can see each other, we can talk to each other, but yet there's still this separation and our brain is trying to figure out how to put all this stuff together. And so one of the things I would give you is, I already told you the the must, should, and may categories. This is what I must get done every day. These are the things I should do if my must list is done, and these things that I may do. And on the must list, you must take a lunch break and, and go outside, walk around, do something. You know, on the must list, I must communicate. And let me tell you right now, I believe this more than ever, you have to over communicate with your coworkers, your family, your customers, your clients, your friends. Check in with people. Don't take it for granted that everybody's okay. Over communication from a leadership standpoint right now is absolutely the key. Bentley, so I'll give you an example. Bentley, come here. So I have two dogs. Can you all see Bentley? This is my great Dane. He's 170 pounds. He's getting old. You can see his face. He's getting gray. He's an awesome dog. And then my little Maltese is over there on his bed laying there. So we have two, Bentley and Bubba. One of the things, if you're working from home, if you wanted to make it a little more interactive and a little more fun, have people share a little bit about their personal life. Stuff that you normally wouldn't see. One of the reasons why we have it set up to where it's a little more interesting than me in you know, my closet, and I'll use, uh, I'll use, uh, oh, Paul just left. I was gonna use him as an example is when we're on our phones and when we're on our computers and stuff, we, a lot of times we're looking up people's noses or we're, you know, looking at the ceiling and we're doing that kind of stuff. So to be able to move around a little bit and and get to know people a little bit better has helped break some of the monotony of being by yourself. I think it's at least one way to break it up. Charlie. One of the things that I found out was when I prayed to God, I used to ask for specific things. And then it came to me that our Lord, when he was in the garden, all he asked for was God's will in his life. Not specific things and all, but God's will. And I I do a series of lectures for MCC at some of the classes. And one of the things I've always told all the students was, as I got older, I discovered there's two ways to solve a problem. You can be proactive or reactive. I'm good at solutions, so I'm reactive. I have to wait for something to happen. But like you were saying about the overload with the news and everything, I'm also the mayor of Hewitt. So I was on a conference call with the governor's office too for a couple hours. And basically what came out of all of it is there's a lot you can't control. You can only control your reactions to it and how you let it affect you. I asked God to put his will in my life because he is proactive. He knows what's coming and everything. And if I will just be content and quiet and listen, God will direct me through this storm. He'll even let me walk on the water if it's necessary. And he's never failed me. But I have to have the faith and the patience, which sometimes I didn't always have. I have to have the patience to wait for him to do it in his timing, not mine. So I let God be proactive in my life so that I don't have to be so reactive if that helps anybody, that's how I have learned to deal with it. That's good, Charlie. Thank you for sharing that. Well, we have just a couple more minutes left. If anybody has any questions or comments, I don't know if an hour and a half was the right time frame. We, we just thought we'd try that. And again, if you would like, you know, we have the marketing one that I'll schedule for those that are interested in that. 
or the messaging around marketing, fundraising. My wife wants me to show Bubba. That's our other dog. Hold on one second. As you already can tell, this is my wife's dog, Beth. That's why she wants me to show him. And you know what? We can't groom him right now because of you know this stay at home thing. So he's looking a little raggedy, but this is our other one. All right, any other questions or comments or suggestions? I will say in the future, only from my standpoint, uh, is it's really nice for the few of you that I got to see your face. It helps from a facilitator standpoint uh, to actually see people instead of names. So that part's been really nice. So just for future reference, if y'all are doing Zoom calls for other people, the, the interaction to be able to see other people helps keep the energy up a little bit and, and be able to see. And uh, we'll put together a list of other possible subject titles that we can talk about other than marketing. And if you're interested, I pray that we're back face-to-face -face again soon, all of us, and uh, get back to a charity champion event where we're together and we may end up doing the rest of our sessions kind of virtually this way and maybe even get back together once it all breaks and kind of have our graduation ceremony that we like to do every year. Might end up being August, September, October, who knows, but we will be back together again soon. I know we will, so stay positive for everybody. Again, my email's on there, chip at 360solutions.com. Most of you know me, don't hesitate. Call me, shoot me an email. If you have questions or anything, I'm here. I wanna, I wanna work with you, I wanna help you. Anything else? Well, if not, uh, I really appreciate y'all logging on. We did the best that we could with what we got. We'll, uh, we'll send you more information about upcoming things. And if you have questions, like I said, everyone, please let me know, okay? All right. Bye, everybody. Say bye, Bubba. Thanks for listening to the Charity Champions podcast. If you're listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review us. This helps our podcast reach more listeners. Have a charity you'd like to nominate for next season? Visit charitychampions.org and look for the Nominate button at the top of the page. You can also find more information on this podcast and all Charity Champions at charitychampions.org. We'll see you next time.